You ever sit down at your dinner table at night after you cook a long meal? Took you hours. You sit down at the dinner table and you start to eat it and you just look down and say, this sucks. Well, now you don't have to. Go to unitedharvest.com. Yeah, it's an ad. Tricked you. Unitedharvest.com to get high quality cuts of meat. I'm talking cross wasami angus beef. I'm talking American grass-fed lamb. I'm talking Hooterite pork. Canadian Hooterite pork. This stuff is incredible. I promise you will not be disappointed. Go to the website, unitedharvest.com. Type in the referral code, the promo code, FRIENDS15, all caps, FRIENDS15, for 15% off your first order, unitedharvest.com. I don't even know how to remotely start a podcast. Start a conversation. Yeah, podcast. If I could be any celebrity, I'd be Will Winner. Please, for the love of God, if you're listening to this and you still tuck your jeans and your boots, reach down, pull those bad boys out. All right, we're done with that. We're done with that. I am ninety-seven we're... pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal. Next. I should have brought my recorder. I could have played Hot Cross Buns. Is that illegal? <laughs> when our two moms listen to this podcast, they're going to be like... Yeah, our two moms. They're going to be super proud of us. Welcome <laughs> to the Keeper Pin. Welcome, everyone. Welcome back, I guess, um, to our season of The Boss Babes. I feel like I say the same introduction all the time, but it's okay. I don't know what else to say anymore. Um Maddie and I are so super, super excited. We have a highly requested guest. And as soon as I've had numerous people uh, message me or talk to me about having her on and I said, well, I'm going to do it. So I sent her a Facebook message and I am so happy to introduce Miss Megan Hobbs. Uh, She is going to talk about kind of what it's like to have a, a big high corporate position, but still be involved in the livestock industry and carving your own path for, for women in agriculture. So Megan, if you want to go ahead and just kind of introduce yourself, tell us how you got into the livestock industry, your background, anything you want to include. Yeah, well, good day. Uh, and thanks Jenna and Maddie for having me on. It's, it is an honor. Um, I've enjoyed several of the episodes that you guys have done uh, thus far. And I would say, even though uh, some of the individuals may be younger, younger than me still, uh, people that I look up to, you know, I've enjoyed Blaine Arthur's, I've enjoyed Jarrah Settles, um, and we're quite good friends with Barrett and Jarrah, so that was a fun one to listen to. So quite an honor uh, to talk to you tonight, um, and also just something that I'm super passionate about. So Megan Hobbs, uh, my current title today is actually the Group R&D Leader for Cargill Protein North America. I have additional R&D leadership responsibilities um, for our global R&D team across Cargill for our salt group. So when you think about food, road, water, uh, salt, as well as our Latin America uh, protein team uh, down in Costa Rica and Honduras um, and Colombia. So um, I have quite a, a, a big responsibility Um, but what I enjoy the most is I have fun every day. I have great people that I work with that still enable me to do what I'm passionate about, um, both at work and outside of work with 
the farm at Hob Sholems. So it really started with me. I was introduced to it whenever I was born. My dad was a high school ag teacher. I grew up in southern Indiana. Uh, so I haven't known uh, a life any different than waking up every day being involved in agriculture. Um, I would say my interest for business aspects um, and, and really what molded me to who I am today started um, after the first year of my 4-H project. Uh, my parents bought my first animals and they made me buy my animals every year after that. And anything that I wanted to do um, within that livestock project or even growing uh, growing up, we had a herd of, uh, or a flock of uh, purebred Dorset ewes. And so I had to buy those on my own as well. And so I think that that's really where I started um, with what's made me who I am today. Uh, grew, grew up in Southern Indiana, uh, was not competitive at all. You know, would win the county fair. My mom would be embarrassed that we took home all of the trophies. Uh, Scott County, Indiana is the smallest county in Southern Indiana not really competitive at all. And uh, then when it came time for state or national, we were happy with the participation ribbon. Um, and you know, throughout my year or my uh, years growing up there, I had some good mentors as I got older and just started asking questions and learning. Um, and then whenever uh, came time in high school with my dad being the ag teacher, he noticed that there was some sheep cells going on in Oklahoma. And so we actually took a road trip uh, for his uh, FFA students. And we went to this cell called the Oklahoma Black and White Show and Sell. And that's where we started buying some more competitive uh, club lambs for us to show, but also uh, started just exposing me to agriculture outside of Southern Indiana. And on one of those trips, we toured Oklahoma State University. Um, and you know, growing up in Indiana, in FFA, uh, did all the competitive competitions. We spent a lot of time at Purdue and I just knew I wanted to go away from home. And as soon as we visited uh, Oklahoma State, I knew I wanted to go there. And so following uh, graduating high school, I moved to Oklahoma uh, to Stillwater where I went to college. I got my undergraduate degree in animal science and then I stayed on and got my master's in meat science. Um, while I was there, not only, you know, understanding more about what would become my future career in, in the meat or animal food industry, I also had the opportunity to work for Dwayne Herleman in Cordell, Oklahoma. Uh, Dwayne is one of the premier sheep operations in the country and one of the premier sheep breeders. And he really introduced me uh, to a lot of individuals that are, you know, customers or um, uh, breeders that we buy from here at the farm today. Um, so super thankful for that as that helped, you know, build, I would say my non-corporate side. So the Hob Sholem side of what Joe and I do today. And then following, um, my graduation of my master's I actually took a job in Springdale, Arkansas. So Northwest Arkansas working for Tyson Foods, um, had a great relationship there with the, the guy leading R&D, his name was uh, Craig Bacon. And Craig hired me onto that R&D team and really loved my time at Tyson. I worked with individuals that I went to grad school with. A lot of Oklahoma State grads go uh, to work at Tyson uh, through that relationship there. And 
on a whim one day, uh, one of my best friends who worked at Cargill in, in Wichita said, hey, we got this job open. Why don't you apply for it? So I just applied for it. Like I wasn't looking to leave my friends or those at Tyson. And so I applied for it. I came to Wichita. I interviewed um, and I haven't looked back since. Um, it's been a really good decision, not only for you know my career and what Cargill has invested in me, um, but also um, you know what we've been able to do with the farm and the flexibility that Cargill has provided me throughout my career. Um, whenever I met Joe and the opportunity to live in Iowa. And um, one of the, you know, I think we'll just a side note, we can go into it a little bit later, but uh, Craig and his wife, Debbie, so Craig, the individual that hired me onto Tyson, um, we're still really good friends um, with them today. They have a lot of our genetics um, in their flock. And I often tell people like, don't burn a bridge because you never know the paths that you might cross in this industry either in the corporate world or also in, uh, you know, the show industry that we're uh, so heavily invested in and passionate about. Uh, so once I came to Cargill, uh, I started out as a food scientist um, working on developing products and have continued to grow my career. Um, you know, I, I've been on the R&D side. I managed a portion of our business uh, that was a really interesting time. I managed our finely textured uh, beef business, which some people might know that business from the ABC News um, BPI pink slime lawsuit. Um, and then came back to Wichita and started leading the beef research and development team. Uh, during the first two years of leading that team, we had several integrations going on within our business. So, um, I wouldn't call it an empire that I acquired, but I, I led multiple different teams and different responsibilities. And then within this last year or two years, I've had the opportunity to be the group R&D leader. Uh, so several different jobs um, in Cargill, uh, 13 years with Cargill, seven, seven different jobs um, in those 13 years and just a really awesome time uh, like I said, I wake up every day enjoying what I'm doing. I have a great team. And then I get to come home to the livestock industry, which I'm super passionate about too, and run Hob Show Lambs with my husband, Joe. So that's, I feel like I just talked forever. Um, and I sped through that probably, but that is a brief background about myself. No, I'm, I'm very interested because I think that, you know, just for me personally, and I know a lot of people listening, I know, for example, uh, you're talking about there's some kids on my judging team and they they have internships with Cargill and they knew that you worked and they said, Jenna, just get her on the podcast so I can listen and ask like what she does. So that is awesome. And I think you did a really good job. And um, I know that Maddie, I've got some people very close to me from Indiana. We know Indiana people are as good as they get. But um, just to talk about some other things, Talk about your operation that you and Joe run, you know, Hobbs Show Lambs, kind of how you guys obviously had it both, you know, I don't know much about Joe, but you have a background in, in sheep and what's your guys' goals and what you're doing there um, to just kind of stay progressive. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting you, you ask about that because uh, Cargill has definitely made a difference in, in Hobbs Show Lambs too. Uh, I tell people Cargill's invested in us personally and professionally. Um, so Hobbs Show Lamb started when Joe was in uh, 4-H. He wanted to show 
cattle. And his dad said, no, you can show sheep. And so that's where his interest in sheep started. Uh, Joe went to Iowa State University, uh, was part of a very successful judging team uh, there. And once he graduated from Iowa State, he continued to start building um, his flock um, at that time. After, I think he was like two years out of school, uh, we met through some mutual friends um, and dated for, you know, a few years before we got engaged and, and then eventually got married. Um, and then while we, while he was dating, or we were dating, um, we started kind of building hop show lambs, you know, investing. He would invest in some ewes. I would buy some ewes only when he told me I could buy them. Um, and it was a good tax write-off for myself at that time being single, um, or not single, I guess I shouldn't say that he's in the kitchen listening. Um, but that was the basis of us together starting Hobshell Ends. Uh, we lived in Persia, Iowa, when we first moved in together. I walked in and asked my boss one day, I said, hey, it doesn't make sense moving Joe to Wichita and me being gone on the road so much. Do you care if I work from home in Iowa? And he's like, put a plan together. So I put this plan together and he approved it. And so Joe and I set out on um, a mission to find a place that we could house 70 U's in between Des Moines, Iowa and Council Bluffs, Omaha area. So I would be close to an airport and close to a plant. And we found this place in Persia, Iowa, right where 80 and 680 come together uh, there north of Council Bluffs. And that was where um, we really started to, I would say, get uh, progressive in what we were doing and building out Hobshell Um We, he worked for Cargill during that time once we moved there. Um, and that's where I talk about, uh, you know, Cargill investing in us personally, because uh, they helped Joe find a job with Cargill on the corn milling side. Um, and we both continued to work. I traveled. Um, it was pretty painful uh, when you think about him having to drive 45 minutes to work, plus lamb use, plus do chores morning and night. It just got really repetitive. And then when we had the opportunity for me uh, to take on the new job and move back to uh, the Wichita area, we live in Newton today. Uh, Cargill worked with us, um, let Joe work from home. And then um, about six months into Joe working from home and thus relocating the flock to Newton, we said, hey, why don't Joe, why don't you do this full time? That's really where his passion is um, and what uh, he has always aspired to be um, is to have a big flock. So today we run between 300, 350 U's. Um, we live 35 minutes north of Wichita. Um, we're pretty uh, progressive in that uh, we have a big embryo. Um, I wouldn't say big, but big for us. We flush uh, 20 donors twice a year. Um, we do semen cells, uh, fresh and frozen. Um, and uh, what's pretty cool about us as well and why we're so passionate about this area is we are uniquely located um, with Butler University being 35, 40 minutes away from the JUCO standpoint. Hutchison is another 35 minutes away to the other side. Um, and so we're able to get good uh, college kids that want to come out and learn and work with us and really help us keep the operation going. Uh, so that's a little bit about our background, where we are today um, with the operation. And our goal is to raise sheep that, um, that Joe really likes. I mean, we both need to like them, but he's the, the brains from a mating and 
um, what we, how we need to make them uh, to be uh, more competitive in the show ring or just raise better breeding stock. But we both believe in giving back to the youth um, who are the future of the industry. They're not only the future of, of this livestock industry, they're the future of places like Cargill. Um, and so we believe in investing in youth. We do a lot of cool things um, with Hob Show Lambs to try to do that. Um, also, the judging kids or the livestock kids that we get, um, they start out working for us as freshmen when they're in junior colleges. And oftentimes, they stay on with us um, through, uh, through their undergrad career. Most of them will go to K-State or uh, to Oklahoma State where we can still have them come back and help on the farm. Uh, and then we run the summer internship program, too. So um, we we believe in not only trying to be competitive with raising good stock in the show ring, but also giving back uh, to the youth that are the future of our industry. Wow. My head is spinning. Just think of thinking of all the things that both of you do on a day to day basis. So I guess and this is a pretty typical question for us, but I'm really intrigued for you to answer, like, how do you balance your professional and your personal life? And, you know, whether that be just, you know, helping on the farm or getting chores done and things like that, and still balancing that, you know, like a work-life balance, how do you manage that? Yeah, it's, um, sometimes it becomes, you know, challenging to manage. Um, Joe and I don't have kids. And so I, I say that to clarify, um, I don't know what it's like if we did have kids where we needed to have a different aspect in our work-life balance. Um, I'm an early morning person. Uh, so whenever I wake up every day, if I have, you know, pins that I need to feed in the barn, I'll do that. But I definitely start thinking about Cargill um, and what I need to get done. Um, but then at the end of the day, one of the things that I look forward to the most is being able to come home um, and not have to worry about work unless something major is going on. Um, it it kind of blends together. You know, your work-life balance is what you make of it. Um, and you also, as an individual, get to set um, what that looks like. Um, I do have some, uh, you know, non-negotiables in, in my responsibilities for the farm uh, that I tried to abide by, um, which is, you know, we, we break up our responsibilities at the farm. I try to do all the social media and marketing, um, managing the website with our, our designers or our people helping us with social media stuff. Um, but I tried to, from eight to five to focus on Cargill and not to let that get in the way of what I'm trying to do at work. You know, the pandemics caused a little bit of, uh, challenges there. Um, but at the end of the day, working for a company like Cargill, um, we really want people to have a great work-life balance to where if I need to work from home, I can work from home uh, to be able to help manage things, be able to you know, run outside and help Joe if I need to, um, knowing I might need to work a little bit um, into the evening to get a task done. Um, the way that, that I approach it is, is if I need to do work for cargo, I'm going to do work for cargo. If I need to do work for the farm, I'm going to do that. And I know that I have that flexibility. As long as I don't let any of the balls drop, I'm still being successful. United Harvest procures the finest meats from the finest ranchers, farmers, and butchers. Many of you know the difference between farm-raised and store-bought meat. Having eaten those meats, 
I can guarantee you that they are the most superior steaks you'll ever eat. By offering the highest quality ag products directly to consumers, United Harvest is able to both bypass middlemen, pushing profits back to the American farmer and rancher, and providing the highest quality meats to you. No cold cows here. Please go to unitedharvest.com and type in the discount code FRIENDS15 to enjoy 15% off your first order. That's FRIENDS15. Ladies and gentlemen, these are premium cuts of meat with the company paying nearly twice the market price to cattlemen for their finest cattle. You will not be disappointed. No, I uh, think going back to what you said about just Hobbs Shirley's and giving back to the kids and got me thinking of, you know, something that we, again, not to sound like everything, but, or that we use in every podcast, but what was something that when you were growing up and, you know, what would, do you wish someone would have told you? Uh, that you learn now or that you wish you would have had kind of in your arsenal to, to think about um, what or a life lesson or story that you have where you really learn something kind of just to give the, the people listening some, some advice and what, what made you so successful? People first, um, you know, people are the base of everything we do, whether it's at Hobbs or it's at Cargill. Um, and putting people first and really understanding um, individuals, um, you know, it could be understanding individuals that want to come to the farm and buy animals and how we need to stay connected with them in the future and working with them or understanding um, individuals that I'm trying to hire and, and what type of work environment do they need and settings and then what makes them click to be most successful. And so about putting people first, like that really, if you think about it, not only from a financial aspect, when you're working with your CPA or you're working with, um, you know, these functions that that must that you must interact with to make your business go, or you're working with other breeders, or you're working with customers, or I'm working with my team at Cargill, the people make it happen. Um, and that you don't necessarily understand that so much growing up. You have your friends, um, you have people that you talk to but I don't think you truly understand the value of, of that people first um, mindset. The second thing is, is I, I would say growing up, I was exposed to people doing, um, you know, their livestock projects as hobbies. What I know now with our operation is it's a business. And so there's a fine line that you walk back and forth between a hobby and a business. Um, and I wish I would have learned that a lot earlier about more of the business mindset versus the hobby mindset. Um, you know, still today, I, I talked to Dwayne Herleman a lot. Um, he's, he's a mentor and a good friend. And we talk about just this is a business that we're running. And so, yes, we have to put people first in it, but it is very business oriented. Like we still need to make money. It's still about you know, the financial aspect so you can continue to grow every year. It's not just about raising the next champion to hang a banner. Um, that's all great. But when you're running a business, you have to understand the business aspect. And so people in that, that financial, that business aspect would be two things. I wish I would have learned a lot earlier. Um, I'll be quite honest, like I've had some great coaching um, about this people aspect. I'm a very driven, uh, competitive person. And um, at times I got to have people tell me like, hey, you need to slow down. You need to think about 
you know, how you might be coming across to somebody or how you might be working with somebody because that competitive or that drive starts coming out in you. Um, but it, it's been something that um, I've learned the hard ways in, in some situations. And in some situations, I'm, for, I'm forever grateful for the people that um, I've been exposed to or have came into my life. And being a young, young person or even freshman, sophomore in college in Stillwater, I didn't realize that um, like I needed to. Looking back on your experiences, I know you've mentioned a few people, but who can you think of like some of your mentors and what have they taught you along the way? Just some like big pointers that you might have that really helped you that might help others along the way. Yeah. So that's, um, it's pretty easy, you know, for me to answer that. So, uh, the mentor that, that has made the the biggest impact on, I would say, Megan Hobbs from a brand standpoint as it relates uh, to Cargill, but those same things uh, have trickled over into Hobbs Shellams is an individual by the name of Bob Blanton. Um, Bob was uh, our sales leader, business manager over this finely textured beef product line. And I was working on the R&D side uh, for that product line. And Bob invested in me. Um, I was two and a half, three years in uh, to Cargill. And he took me to every customer he went to. He challenged me um, to know our processes inside and out. He challenged me to know everything from a a technical, from an R&D standpoint on how to help our customers. And I reciprocated by always asking him questions to learn. He'd been in the meat industry for 40 years. And we had many road trips, many dinners together, many drinks together. Um, And so I really picked his brain um, while I had that opportunity. He didn't have to invest in me the way that he did, but he chose to invest in me. Um, Those same things that I I learned uh, about our business, how to treat customers, uh, a simple thing like, you know, used to give out business cards. Well, every, every customer that gave us a business card He would ask about their wife. He would ask about their kids, you know, their hobbies. And after we left that customer meeting, he would write on the back of the business card, the wife's name, their hobbies, and their kids' names. So the next time we went in, we opened it with talking about their wife and kid. And so you built that one-on-one connection. That same thing we do today with Hob Showlands. When you think about, you know, you guys are involved in it. You, you understand people's family lives. You understand what their kids are doing through social media today. So you get that personal connection with them um, as well. So he taught me that. And then just asking questions and learning. Uh, I would ask away and he would share and share and share. And we do that, that same thing. Anybody that, you know, wants to learn from us at Hob Shalams or wants to, to come, we just had an individual from Blackhawk come and do a mini internship over, uh, over the, the Christmas holidays just to learn. Um, and so now that once I've seen my mentor do that, like I can do that back to others and Joe can too. Um, but, you know, asking and learning um, in those mentors investing in me um, has really made a difference. And Bob made the biggest difference. So Long story, but Bob took me around to everybody. Uh, Pink slime happened with this ABC News lawsuit, and they were putting Bob into a new job. And I was in the R&D field at that time. 
and they needed somebody to take over managing that portion of our business. There was nobody better situated for that job because Bob had kind of trained me for that. He, I knew the pricing, I knew all the customers, I knew everything about the business or operations. And because of his mentorship, that's where I got exposed to having a business job um, at Cargill. So this was so kind of my work mentor, I guess. No, I thought that that was really, really good. And, and I think whether it's work or real life, people uh, showing you the ropes and explaining things is very, very beneficial. And so this question is going to be, so my judging team has clarification, um, <laughs> but what you just talk about your day-to-day, what you do um, as an R&D group leader or, you know, running that and, and kind of what your schedule looks like. I know you said, we talked about this, you don't have to go into detail or give us all of Cargill's secrets, but kind of just some things that are general that you work on um, and do. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I lead a, a, an excellent group of R&D scientists and R&D managers uh, for Cargill Protein North America. We have uh, really four innovation locations uh, throughout Protein uh, North America. We, we have a team in Minneapolis. Uh, we have a, the majority of the team sets in Wichita, Kansas. And at both of those locations, we have um, our innovation centers. So the way I like to describe this is a big playground uh, for R&D scientists. So if you, you know, you think about these big plants that make deli meats or uh, make case-ready type uh, steaks and ground beef that you might find at your local grocery store, um, or items that you might find, protein items that you might find at your favorite fast food restaurant. In these innovation centers, we have all of that same equipment, but on a really small scale basis. So uh, the teams get to have fun every day. They get projects from customers, um, you know, either looking at cost takeout. So how do we save them money? Or we're developing the next new item that's going to go on uh, the menu at, at a really large uh, fast food chain or uh, quick service dining, like a, you know, quick service dining would be like Applebee's, Chili's um, type of locations. Or we're developing new items that'll go into the meat case at a retailer. And then uh, we also work, uh, we have a group that develops protein items that get sold as ingredients to our customers which would be large, um, you know, uh, how do I describe this? They'd be large manufacturers of prepared foods that you might find in the fresh, frozen, um, human or animal um, food segments of your retail store. So the R&D team uh, makes those, develops those products. Um, it, like I said, it could be anything from uh, human to animal consumption. Uh, that we work on. Uh, we also work with our big commodity uh, beef plants in terms of, uh, you know, looking at uh, how to utilize new equipment, new technology, new antimicrobials or processing aids uh, that might help extend shelf life, reduce food safety um, risks, potentials that we could have coming into our facilities. And then I also have a team in Canada that does the same thing, but for the Canadian market. So my job's 
pretty fun because I get to oversee all of these scientists that are working on the new products, work with our managers on what they're doing. Um, and then we also work on what is the next innovation that should be coming, you know, two, three, four years out from now, uh, whether that's new equipment to make the products quicker or what's that next new menu item that needs to go on uh, your favorite fast food chain's menu. That just sounds like, I mean, Jen and I love food. So this sounds like a dream job because you get to work in the agriculture industry and with food every day. I mean, it sounds like the best of both worlds. Um, Just like looking back on your experience, whether it's career related or professionally, personally, or even showing, what is one of your top favorite memories that you have? Like looking back, um, or even if it was recently, what is your number one top favorite memory that you have had? You know, with online sales now, you're not necessarily in crowds when good things happen. And uh, we're very humble sheep breeders. Um, We tried to raise the best stock that we can and sell the best stock that we can. And uh, this year with the cancelization of or cancellation of uh, some of these live sales that we go to, we had to resort to uh, selling our our animals online. And we knew we had a really good uh, yearling ram that we wanted to take to this Reno All-American show there. It's the best best sheep sale that there is ever. It's in the uh, parking lot of a casino. So the pens are set up in the parking lot. You stay in the casino. You do, I mean, pretty much you can enjoy your friends in the sheep area, but you can also enjoy time with them on the craps table or the blackjack table. Um, Anyways, they canceled that show this year. And so we had to sell our animals online. And uh, the ram was selling really good that night. And I pretty much had a party by myself because of how good he was selling. Um, and I mean, I just, I'll never forget it because Joe's very humble. Um, he was just like, this is, you know, this is crazy. This is great. Uh, so that was a good memory. Um, and then we just came off of a really good sale in California, um, where, uh, I call us the outsiders selling that weekend, uh, that second, third weekend of January is historically only for California breeders. Uh, they have several live sales that go on. And very fortunate that Don and Denise Mayo of Mayo Club Lambs led us into this live sale. And we took, uh, Joe sent me out there with an excellent set this year and the sheep sold really well. Um, and so that, those two memories are, are really memorable because that's the most we've sold our animals for. And I would say uh, probably the, the biggest appreciation that we've had for our flock and what we've done and, and the stock that we're raising too. So I think that's what makes it more memorable. Um, I would, the most memorable thing from Cargill standpoint would be, I had, I got deposed in the lawsuit and, uh, I, I spent all day long in that deposition and I will never forget it. And I never want to relive uh, a time like that in my life again. Well, I'm, you know, I'm just thinking of how awesome it would be to have a show in a casino parking lot. Um, uh, you girls would love it. I think all all shows need to be in a casino. <laughs> I'm not a big sheet person, uh, but I think that I would go. I really do. But um, Megan, we're gonna almost out of time here for 
your episode, but I'm so thankful that you could come on. And just if you have any last words, any parting advice that you want to give people, I know we've already hit on it, but uh, anything you want to say before we close this up? I think my one piece of advice would be, um, you know, for younger individuals is ask questions of those that are your mentors. Um, I would say I don't have just one mentor. Um, I pick and choose my mentors based upon the challenge that I might be facing um, versus putting all my eggs in one basket with one person to give me advice. Uh, so really think about, you know, what are you, what challenge are you trying to solve in your next step um, and seek out the best advice that you can from individuals or and individuals that you may not know, but that you want to go learn from. Um, and then my advice for, uh, you know, adults or, you know, people that are listening of, um, of that type of age is to really think about how you're investing back into the youth. Uh, that's a, a non-negotiable here um, with what we do with Hobbs Shalems is uh, we love giving back. We've set up scholarships at Oklahoma State University. We, um, you know, donate to a lot. We uh, give back to a lot of our customers. But my challenge is, is to those adults listening that do raise stock is, what are you doing uh, to invest in others uh, that are the future? Like somebody invested at you at one time. I love that. That's awesome. Awesome advice. And again, thank you for coming on. I've am very, very, uh, this was a good episode because you do a lot of really cool things and you're very, very successful. There's a lot of amazing people. I know people that listen that look up to you. Um, I know people personally look up to you and, and really respect you. So thank you for coming out on this Monday evening. And we had a blast. Thank you, ladies. And good luck with your future podcast. Uh, I'm really proud of what you're doing. Um, I think it's setting a standard. And I think it's awesome that you two have joined up um, and really like where you're going with the Keeper Pin. Thank, thank you. you. All right, guys, we'll see. Are you tired of being ugly? Are you tired of wearing boring clothes? Did you finally throw away your rock revitals? Revivals? Well, head over to the Stock Market Boutique. You will get new jeans. Thank Jesus, okay? And they're flare, so you can't tuck them into your boots, which we're excited about. And then you'll put a cute shirt on, and you'll just be ready to go. That's the Stock Market Boutique. And then you're going to go, and you're going to use the code TKP10 the Keeper Pen 10 abbreviated, obviously, and you're going to get 10% off your order. And then you're going to wear it around and you're going to tag us in your pictures. And we're going to just hype you up like we always do. And you won't be ugly anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Check it out. And that's the T, sis. And that's the T.